0: Welcome to the Sal Salvatrice Show. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to the podcast and the YouTube channel. Today we're going to break down the Saturday. We get one of these this year, outside of the playoffs, right? Regular season. The Saturday night showdown slate between the divisional rivals, the Los Angeles Rams and the San Francisco 49ers. 49ers right now, a wild card team but still playing for a second round or a first round bye, and maybe second overall seed first, whatever it might be. They have some tiebreakers over some teams, but then you also have the Rams who are just holding on to their playoff hopes. I believe if they lose or if just the Vikings win another game, they're out. They might already be out. I think that they need to win two. Vikings need to lose both. I don't know if that actually happens, but you never know. Vikings, I would think still play the Packers, which is a tough matchup, although they're favorites at home on Monday Night Football, and then they play the Bears. But regardless, we have a showdown slate, a couple hundred thousand dollars on the line. Thank you for tuning into this one. Hopefully you watched the three-game slate. If you have not yet, and it's before the actual Saturday slate starts, be sure to check that one out. But Thanks for being here. Uh, Before we get into it, please do hit that subscribe button. If you let me know down below who's your favorite play below $7,000, I will pick one person from the podcast audio reviews and one person from the YouTube comments. So linked up down below in the YouTube comments comment. You have to be a subscriber with the notification bell on. You have to be a subscriber to the podcast also. But one person I will pick to win a $15 giveaway via PayPal or Venmo. So leave one of those ways for me to contact you. All you have to do is let me know who's your favorite below down below $7,000 or below player comment that down below. You have to be a subscriber with the notification bell turned on. So click those two buttons, totally free. You get into that. Check out my Patreon exclusive content. I also have, I believe, tiers for this game. I have a ton of content going out there for NBA, NFL. We'll be doing PGA as well, coming soon. So check out my Patreon exclusive content and also my, uh, my social medias, social media, you DFS on Twitter and Salve you on Instagram. Thank you for tuning into this one. I really do appreciate it. You all friggin' rock. Uh, if you want to check out Fantasy Draft, they are linked up above. Fantasy Draft, revolutionizing the way that you chain play daily fantasy sports. And they also are giving a Sunday uh, free roll. So totally free to enter. I'll link that up down below to Twitter. If you have not yet got into the Saturday free roll and you're in here before uh, the, the slate actually starts, a lot of you probably aren't, but you can get into that one. I'll link those both up down below. So thank you for tuning in. I appreciate that. Let's get into the video. So usually I have, I don't know, 15, 16 players of interest. This one, I, I only have 13. Now there's some names on here that you can actually have interest in, but this is the way I'm playing the slate. If I was to play 150 lineups or 50 lineups, I do sometimes. I probably won't for this one. This one seems ugly. Uh, I would play an extra like three or four names on this list. So let's get into the major, major news for this slate. Gerald Everett will return, so that kind of hurts Tyler Higby. And for the people who are saying, nah, Higby secured the job. I think he has secured the majority of the snaps, but not 96%. Like Everett coming back, a guy that they gave money to and gave a deal to, they're not just going to give 0% of the snaps now that he's healthy. He'll play a minimum of 30 to 40 to 50% of those snaps, right? He'll play a decent amount. Excuse me for that going off. So if Higby's been getting this huge role on 96% of the snaps and now his snap count drops down to, let's just say 75%, there's some drop off there. Now, I think he's priced decent enough to still get to him, but not a priority interest anymore. So that's the major news on the, the Rams side for the injury news. There's nothing else really coming out from uh, the Chargers side or the, the San Francisco 49ers side in terms of offensive injury news. Richard Sherman should be back on defense. We'll track Kwan Williams on defense, and they probably are going to be without D4 defensive lineman again for this one. So starting with my yeses, George Kittle at 9,200. I have him as a yes. He has a positive 21% matchup against Rapp. I have him projected for seven targets. I'm tempted to bump that number to eight. If I give Jimmy G 28 pass attempts in this one, I think at least a 25% target share is what you see from George Kittle. He's been around there on the season. That gives you seven targets. That's a rough and dirty estimate of it. And at the end of the day, out of all these pay-up options, two are quarterbacks that I don't love. Another one is a wide receiver that has a much tougher matchup than George Kittle. So if you're talking about paying up because you have a lot of money left over, Kittle is my priority there. 49ers defense at 4,600. Look, they're a top five pass rush and a top five secondary. I actually believe they rank top two in pass rush, or actually top three in pass rush and number two overall in their secondary. So they're top three in both of them, I should put on here. They're a touchdown favorite at home against a weak offensive line. That is a QB in Jared Goff who extremely struggles on the road. And he also struggles under pressure. Now, I had somebody in wise in the in the three-game slate video come in with the comment, the wise comment of, oh, really? Come on, Sal. He's on the road. He's still playing in California. I don't know what you people want me to say. He is on the road. He's not waking up as his bed. They actually have to travel to a hotel for this game. He's going into a hostile environment against a good defense that will pin their ears back with a home crowd, actually. So, yes, he is on the road. Thanks, though. So, next up, Todd Gurley is my final yes. I actually shot this video one other time and I had just, the brightness was way too high and I didn't change the resolution and things like that on my camera, my webcam. So I have to redo it now. i want to make sure it's good quality. Hopefully it's coming through good here. But Todd Gurley was originally a maybe. I put him as a yes in that video. You don't get to see it, the uncut version. Uh, but he has a negative 23% run blocking advantage this weekend. Again, it's a really good defensive line when it comes to pressuring the quarterback, but they're not that great against stopping the run. They're 15th overall, so average. They're 23rd in tackling, so below average and no D Ford. He's a six and a half point road underdog, so that's concerning, but I have him as a minimum of 16 touches and my projection on him here is 18 touches. So again, let's look at the opportunity and the, the people around him and we'll get to it, but I don't want these quarterbacks over him. I like 18 touches out of Gurley over 14 or 15 out of most start. Um, And I like Gurley over some of these wide receivers. So you're just giving me a lot of touches. You saw last week in a difficult matchup where they were trailing the whole game. Gurley still had enough usage to find the end zone, not once, but twice. So brutal spot for him, but just based on usage alone on a showdown slate, I will take the opportunity for 20 plus touches out of Todd Gurley here at 8,800. And it's not as bad of a matchup as it actually seems. Um, Debo Samuel is a maybe for me, probably one of the least interesting maybes I have on this list at 7,400. He'll likely face Troy Hill. And when Marcus Peters was traded, I and Akib Tlaib went down with an injury. I was looking at this and saying, who the hell is Troy Hill? Troy Hill has been fantastic since taking over over the last two months or so. Ten games at this point for Peters and Tlaib. Only allowed 23 receptions, 304 yards, and a touchdown. He's top five in pass rating in the entire league, right? He's right below names that start with, and I'll just read you the names, Richard Sherman, Stephon Gilmore, Tredavious White, right? Those are the list of guys that he's in in terms of how good he has been in pass rating against he's been better than Ramsey this year. It's pretty crazy. So I think Debo Samuel leans closer to a no than a yes for me, believe it or not. Tyler Higby at 6,800 was a yes, then ever got ruled probable. So now he's a maybe. You're just going to lose snaps, which leads to less opportunities. It's not going to be anything crazy, I don't think, based on how good he's been playing, right? This guy's been averaging over the last three games, 334 yards, a touchdown, 26 receptions, and 32 targets over that span. That is insane, right? Averaging over 10 targets per game, over 111 yards per game. And close to nine receptions per game as a tight end. That is insane. Now that usage will drop, but it might drop to six receptions for 70 yards, which is still fine at this price point. So I do have interest, just not as much interest. Jimmy G at 9,400. I really don't want to play a quarterback on this slate, but if I had to pick one, it would be him as a six and a half point home favorite. He does not have a great offensive line, negative 9% pass, blocking advantage. The Rams ranked number two overall in pressure rate so far this season. And the Rams rank fifth in coverage, so not a great spot for him. The Rams do allow 239.6 yards per game, right around average to so a little bit below average. I'm not thrilled to play him. At 9,400, I would choose him over Goff, and we'll get to Goff in a second. But again, not really a priority of mine. Where he most are at 8,600, I get it. He has an increased role. Kyle Shanahan has talked him up a little bit, saying we have to keep giving this guy the ball if he's going to play well. He gets a touchdown last week. But look, his increased role is playing 50% of the snaps instead of 30, right? They still have Tevin Coleman, who they have to play. You're not just going to DMP a guy that you paid a lot of money. You have to. There's an investment decision behind this. You actually have to use what you paid for, right? That's how this, the NBA, that's how it literally works. They play bad players who are in really bad contracts because they just have to. They're incentivized at that point to do it uh, under management's pressure. So um, Tevin Coleman's going to get snaps. Matt Burita is a good running back. They like him. They'll continue to give him snaps, especially in passing down situations. So Mostarp is kind of locked into at most 50% of the snaps, and that can dip to 40, and then he's a bad play at 8,600. At 50% of the snaps, I think he's okay. We figure they throw 28 times or so in this game. they would run similar amounts, 24, 28 times. So even if they run 28 times, 50% of the snaps, 14 touches for Mostarp, maybe a reception, 8,600 for 14 or 15 touches out of Mostarp at maybe best, or 8,800 for close to 18 to 20 touches out of Gurley. It's just an easy decision for me. I think most starts in play, but not as good as people expect them to be. Uh, 15% of the snaps and 15 touches is not something that I think is a smash at 8,600. If anything, it leans closer to a no for me. Robert Woods at 8,200 will likely face Witherspoon since Richard Sherman is back. will play on the left side of the field. They'll put Woods to avoid him on the right side of the field it's not that much better of a matchup. Sherman ranks fifth in pass rating against and Witherspoon ranks top 10 as well. So a brutal spot for him. I'm concerned about Goff's ability to find his receivers in tough matchups and just be able to handle the pressure. So $8,200 He's not a priority for me. Emmanuel Sanders likely to face Jalen Ramsey. Ramsey over the last eight games and the season has not been good. 3.3 receptions per game and 40.5 yards per game. That doesn't sound like a lot, but a man-to-man coverage, just when it's only you, 40.5 yards per game, not even counting your zone defense, is a good amount for a cornerback, That's a lot to give up. He has not been shut down. He has kept wide receivers out of the end zone, though. If I was to get to any uh, Sam Fran wide receiver, it would be Emmanuel Sanders over Debo and over Kendrick Bourne. But again, I prefer the tight end George Kittle over all of them. Next up are both kickers. Kickers are fine to get to, but I recommend just using one at most, just using one here. Uh, Kendrick Bourne at 2,400. He has a negative 10% advantage against Robbie Coleman in the slot. Coleman's been one of the best top five slot cornerback this year. 27 receptions allowed for 224 yards and only one touchdown. That breaks down to 1.9 receptions per game for 24.9 yards per game allowed. He's been extremely solid, but Bourne's just cheap enough, right? He's 2,400. You've seen it all year long. He'll have like two catches for 20 yards and a touchdown. At 2,400, you're banking on the touchdown. That's about it because this is a brutal matchup. I think he's at least in play. Same can be said for Josh Reynolds, who was the wide receiver four on this team without question. His snaps and his routes run went down last week after spiking the week before. He ran 19 routes last week, finished with two receptions for 36 yards on three targets. It's a brutal spot for separation, but look, he's 1,400. You're banking on a touchdown. If a guy is going to run 15 to 20 routes like he did last week and like he does for most of the year, he's at least in play at 1,400 because he has touchdown upside. We saw it earlier this year with Seattle, and David Moore uh, was running 20 routes a week, ended up getting a 10-yard touchdown, 8 fantasy points, and was needed in the winning lineups that night because he was like $600. Same thing can be said for Josh Reynolds, and to an extent, Kendrick Bourne. These guys are going to run around 18, 20 routes, and they have touchdown upside at that point at a cheap price point, so they're in play on a showdown slate, at least for me. Before we get into discussing the nose, please do hit the subscribe button and get into the contest down below. $15 giveaway. Who is your favorite? um, Play below $7,000 in the slate. Must be a subscriber and must hit the notification bell to enter. If you're listening on the audio version, how those ears doing, you can enter by leaving a review, a five-star rating review. That counts as three entries into this contest. So if you leave audio reviews and YouTube reviews, you have four entries. If you leave an audio review, you get three to the one on YouTube. So people on YouTube, you can also go leave an audio review That is linked up down below to iTunes. My nose, Brandon Cooks at 5,000. Originally, he was a yes on the first, or maybe on the first video I did. But then I looked into it more. Look, he's playing banged up without question. He's somewhat limited on these snaps. Yes, he had three receptions for 18 yards on three targets last time out against Richard Sherman. That's not good at all. Richard Sherman has been absolutely fantastic. Number four, actually, I said five earlier, but number four in pass rating against. He's allowing 2.1 receptions per game and 17.5 yards per game. Look at my face. 17.5 yards per game in coverage. Brandon Cooks is going to have to stay on the left side of the field because Robert Woods stays on the right side of the field. So if you're going to tell me that on average here, and this is crazy because 2.1 receptions for 17.5 yards per game. Last time they played, he gave up three receptions for 18 yards. So pretty much a season average to Cooks. Now Cooks is even more banged up. The price point is cheap and appealing, but i probably still stay away from it. Jared Goff is the most expensive player on a showdown slate. It's just on the road against a, a, a top five, uh, top three pass rush is just ridiculous to me. Um, he's 9,600. I don't I don't understand this. A negative 7% pass blocking advantage. It's Jared Goff on the road as a touchdown underdog. San Fran is the third best pass rush and second best in coverage with Richard Sherman returning and probably Kawan Williams in the slot returning. San Fran allows the least yards per game. 178.4 yards per game is just insane. That is insanely low. And just 19 total touchdown passes per game. So less than one and a half per game so far this year. I don't know how Jared Goff is this expensive. I'm just gonna have zero percent if I play this slate. Cooper Cup at nine thousand, he's also expensive. And if Kwan Williams returns, I will avoid Cup. I think Kwan Williams is the best slot cornerback in the entire league right now. And then Goff, you have to make his concerns if Goff is under pressure and it makes it even more difficult for Cup to get open because of his matchup now plus the Goff pressure. It's just not a good spot. You also have to factor in that Cooper Cup is the fourth highest to own the fourth, fourth most expensive player in the slate, and i will probably be highly owned. I'll just likely avoid this spot for Cup. It's a brutal matchup, just like all of his other receivers on this team, except he's a lot more expensive. Gerald Everett at 6,200 will return. I think he'll play a good amount of snaps. I'm not shocked if he plays 40 or 50% of the snaps. He was leading this team in snaps before getting injured. Now, obviously, he was playing really well before getting injured, but obviously, Higby has been playing himself um, just on the field. Like You can't take Higby off the field at this point, averaging over 111 yards per game and over Seven receptions per game over the last, or over eight receptions per game over the last three since Everett has been hurt. But at 6,200, based on the uncertainty, I really can't get any faith in Everett, especially over Higby. Rams defense at 4,200, it's just an expensive price point. I get it, they have a good secondary and a good pressure rate. But they're six and a half point road underdogs. Jimmy G has not been making a lot of mistakes this season. So at 4,200, if they were 3,200, a little bit cheaper, like you usually see some of these road underdog defenses, I would get there. But I just can't get there at 4,200. They should be able to get to the quarterback though at a a decent clip. I just don't know if it's enough to make Jimmy G make mistakes at $4,200. I much prefer the, the 49ers. Like explain to me how the 49ers are only 4600 if the Rams are 4600. The 49ers are the home favorites against Jared Goff, who was on the road. I don't get it. Matt Breida at 3400 and Tevin Coleman at 32. I wanted to play these guys. I thought Breida would come in at like two thousand dollars, but he's 3400. dollars He's played 24 total snaps over the last two weeks. He did get 13 touches, so he's being used a lot when he's on the field. But if you're going to tell me Breida's going to have six to eight touches at 3,400, those six to eight touches more times than not end up with like four or five fantasy points if he doesn't find the end zone. So I'm better off just playing a kicker at a similar price point. Same can be said for Tevin Coleman, except Coleman's much worse than Breida at least in the passing game. He's only on the field at this point because he's been paid a lot of money to be there. Kyle Juszczyk at 1,800. People think that Kyle Juszczyk just goes out and catches like five balls a game. He doesn't. He did it once this season. He's run 35 total routes over the last four games, which is really good for a fullback, but not good for any other player. Five catches on five targets for 28 yards and a touchdown over those last four games. Two rush attempts for one yard, so... Over the last month, last four games, you have seven total touches for 29 yards and a touchdown. At 1,800, I'll just avoid it. I think he sees the ball once or twice here, has two or three fantasy points. It's not worth it. Malcolm Brown had zero touches last week. He's $1,000 back up to Gurley. Gurley's just getting all the touches at this point. He's had 12 total touches over the last four games. Malcolm Brown sees the occasional goal line touchdown or goal line carry. Even if Brown has one carry for six yards and a touchdown, or one carry for one yard and a touchdown, ends up with 6.1 fantasy points, there's a chance he's needed, right? He's putting up like kicker production at a quarter or a third of the price. But even then at six fantasy points for $1,000, it's no guarantee. So I don't think there's much upside in Brown. So that's where I'm at right now. I have three yeses. Uh, Let me know who are your yeses. Who are like the one to three players that you like down below? Also enter that contest down below. Must be a subscriber with the notification bell. Favorite player under $7,000. You can enter on the audio version as well. And be sure to check out the Fantasy Draft um, free rolls. They're free to enter, linked up down below. And they're giving out tickets to the NBA Christmas Contest. Thank you for being here. I really do appreciate it. You check me out on my social medias, Twitter and uh, Instagram. Salvetry on both. Salvetri DFS on Twitter. Salvetry on Instagram. And my Patreon exclusive content will also be linked up down below. Y'all freaking rock.